Good afternoon. Welcome to the Financial Planning Hour. My name is Ruben Zelwa, and we look forward to giving you an hour talking about all things financial once a week. With me today, I've got Craig Bigelow. But before we start, a bit of music for you. Alrighty, here we go. Now, before we start, we have to give you a big disclaimer. We're going to be talking about a lot of things to, uh, over the next few weeks, but whatever we talk about is no substitute for getting personal advice. So really, that's saying don't believe anything that we say. Now, let me throw to uh, my colleague, fellow financial planner and good friend of mine, Craig Bigelow. Craig, welcome and thank you for co-hosting with me. Thanks, Reuben. Good to be here. I'm excited. Uh, looking forward to a few weeks of bringing, um, bringing gold for an hour and then forgetting about it at the end, as per your disclaimer. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're going to have a lot, talk about a lot of different things over the next uh, few weeks or so. We'll talk about things like investment markets, superannuation, estate planning, etc. Um, but today what we thought we'd do is share, you, share with you a bit of our experience as financial planners and talk to you initially about some common threads that we see in our successful clients. So between us, Craig, we've probably got about 30 or 40 years of collective experience. I always find that's a strange thing to say, isn't it? What's your collective experience? Yeah, it's weird because it can always sound a lot more more intelligent than you are, I guess. Exactly. It's, it's sort of relevant experience, I think, is more important. So That's true. Um, when you're looking at that sort of thing, I think it's important to sort of look at how many times you've been dealing with people that are similar to what you're dealing with now. And, mate, you probably had a lot more than me. Oh, well, <laughs> I've got maybe a couple of years on you. But it's um, it's interesting, isn't it? When you see these like big accounting firms, they say collectively we've got about 300 years of experience. So maybe collectively we've got... I don't know, 20, 30. I think that's when you you pile 50 people in a room and (laughs) (laughs) the number grows pretty big. Yeah, anyway, it's enough to sound impressive. So, uh, Craig, I'm going to hand over to you in your experience. Give me like the first sort of thread that you see, a common theme you see in your successful clients. Yeah, I I really like it when people are on on the same page. And I know this is one for you as well. But um, for me and my partner, we we just have a rule that's really simple for us both to follow. And I think this is what I try and help people to build is a bit of a decision-making framework. So for us, it's um, when it comes to any decision, if, if it's not two yeses, it's a no. So if it came to do we want to buy an investment property, if it's not two yeses, it's a no. Uh, If it came to anything else, it's the same sort of thing too. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. So you're saying about the both members of the couple being yeah. on board. Or yeah. whether it could be anything. It could be whoever you're making the decision with. If yeah. you trust them enough and you trust their opinion, yeah. if you're not both on board for whatever reason, then yeah. you either need to do a bit more work or, or just not do it. Yeah. It's interesting. I always find that a stumbling block when you have like one member of the couple comes in for a meeting and you go through everything with them and it's all good and well and then they've got to go and relay that to their partner or their wife you know invariably you know 
it becomes problematic. Yeah, well, it's it's a little bit of Chinese whispers, yeah. and you end up explaining it multiple times. So, yeah. um, if you're doing anything together, that's that's the one thing I see that decisions are made jointly as opposed yeah. to individually. Um, yeah. But yeah, really, I, I think that's a common goal um, yeah. is really consistent with the people that do well too so moving in the right direction and um i know goals are uh, one of those words that get thrown around a lot but just moving in the right or similar uh direction as each other really really helps add to that that benefit what about you mate uh well i think the probably the most obvious one or one of the most obvious is that people who are successful in their career and their business so you know people come to financial planners and we've got like knowledge in different areas we might be able to help people save tax or invest more wisely but but the biggest determinant on people's sort of financial position is is what they're doing in their career or their you know or their business um so i guess you know the most successful clients are are ones that you know have invested heavily in their career in the business that's where they spend the majority of their of their time um and yeah you know and and Obviously, they take an active role in their investments, but not, I suppose, not not necessarily too active. Um, so I'd say that's that that's probably the biggest one. And it might be that they were successful when they were working, and now obviously they're retired. Um, but for me, that's yeah, that's a big one. And why why do you reckon that's the case? What have you seen as being consistent from that? Um, consistent in terms of oh the outcomes. So why are why is a good business owner or a good successful yeah. career person typically better with with their money? Yeah, well, obviously, you know, the obvious one is if they you know if they're generating good income, and you know that's probably another another common thread is people who are you know earning more than what they're spending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, I think people are who are successful in their businesses and their their. Um, and their you know their work that they're quite decisive mm-hmm. so you know they're able to sort of make those those financial decisions quite quite quickly and they can kind of sum up the information that's required and distill it and make a decision and often that's you know that's obviously the key part of you know your financial future is getting the decisions right i feel like we're getting really deep really early on craig look at us yeah yeah i think we're just getting really really serious <laughs> well i guess one of those ones though is is around the decision making and yeah. um so i guess i'm sure you see it as well people can often sit on their hands and and have wished they did things as opposed to just doing it and and whether that be right or wrong mm. action's better than yeah. a lot of the time better than yeah. no action yeah. and i find that a lot of people procrastinate on their decisions yeah. because they get too much information or they yeah. go to too many different areas yeah. which sort of comes back to that framework if yeah. you have 15 people that you want to go and talk to about every decision you want to make yeah you'll never make a decision right so work out something that's quick easy and take responsibility for what you do because ultimately it is your fault um and i think that's a really good way to do it set it up that it's simple and quick and you can actually do what you're saying and just be decisive about those those things people do yeah and i think also part of that is like focusing on the big decisions yeah actually knowing which are the big decisions that actually matter um so so I think that that's a really, really important one because you know, if people sort of focus too much on the small decisions, if they focus too much on whether they should buy ANZ Bank versus Commonwealth Bank, it's kind of the wrong, the wrong thing. You know, yeah. the, the, the bigger decision is, you know, should I go and should I buy a, a share portfolio? Should I buy a property? Should I contribute to super? Those, those are the big, 
those are the big decisions and the and the most important ones. Yeah, and I think bang for buck is as well. If you could look at the the major wins, mm. if you're focusing on making all these decisions along the way and and not focusing on the big ones, like you said, yeah, you can get lost, can't you? You know, exactly. you really get lost in in just making too many choices or yeah. not making them, so to speak. Hey, um, what about people calling in? Should we yes. let them know? Absolutely. So we're here to take your calls. Now, you're going to have to be a little bit uh, patient with us because I'm controlling the system here as well as being a, you know, as being a co-host <laughs> and uh, my technology skills are not quite as advanced as Craig. But please call us. The phone number is 95680909 or you can send us an SMS, which will probably be technically easier for me to deal with. <laughs> uh, that number is 04788. Triple two five eight, and I should probably give a shout out as well, Craig, to people who might be listening to us on podcast as well. Yeah, for sure. Because obviously, you know, we've probably got an enormous people number <laughs> people listening to us live, <laughs> but we may even have two or three times as many listening to us on podcasts. So. I think that might be like the collective experience of the three hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Alrighty. Um, yeah, so what else, Craig? Any any other sort of threads that you see in, in successful clients? I, I sort of uh, – I, I think everyone can be really good in short periods. So yeah. um, I don't know what you've found, but I, I found – I mean, you look at the health and fitness industry, there's this big push on, you know, 30-day challenges, 90-day yeah. challenges, short frames. And um, instead of focusing on things that are – possibly 20, 30 years away, if we look at the behaviors and try and break some bad ones, potentially yeah. the sprints have worked really well. So yeah. that might be things like not eating out at restaurants for a month. If that's somewhere, mm. that, an area that you're spending too much money or pulling back to once every two weeks as opposed mm. to every week, those sort of things. And we've just tracked a simple change like that. Mm. But again, coming back to your point of not focusing on the small things, focusing on things that are big and unimportant. So yeah. I'm not talking about people's school fees, but talking more so about those things that you're spending money on that you know you shouldn't be yeah. um, and potentially want to pull back on. Yeah. Well, I was speaking to someone the other day about it, and uh, and it's actually a business coach that Craig and I use. So shout out to Stuart Bell, and we were talking about about that, and uh, and he said, "I don't want anyone to tell me that I can't have a coffee a day." Do you know what I'm like without that without having that coffee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's um, it's interesting, but I really agree with you because um, at the end of the day, you need sort of short short-term goal and it's about developing habits correct isn't it really? yeah and that, and that's um, a big one it's but, but the problem can sometimes be is that you know you, you have like those diets that are 30 69 days but then you then you slide back and put on you know an extra 15 kilos so how do you how do you deal with that yeah so i, I guess it's rolling you, we've we've been trying to track it and build and they talk about these time frames of, of how long it does take to break or make a habit and those yeah. sort of things which you know i think are pretty variable depending on where you read it's anywhere from 30 days to 90 days but realistically if you want to do something i've found people actually do it yeah. but the big thing is also being able to see results from what you've yeah. done so um it's encouraging if, if you do something and it works. I think the the biggest drop-off we've seen is when you've sacrificed and it hasn't worked. Yeah. So yeah. I guess it's also being able to show the outcomes of that sprint because, yeah. you know, if, if you have done that diet and you take your shirt off and you look pretty good, um, the outcome's pretty clear. Yeah. But if you've 
sacrificed everything you've ran every day for 10 kilometers and after 90 days you look exactly the same yeah it's pretty unlikely you're going to continue with it yeah no i definitely um i agree with you it's about the quick wins what i'd probably just touch on is what i mentioned before as well is that um you know successful clients have got more money coming in than they have going out yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and i think you know it's interesting because you can find and it's whether someone's in that position is not necessarily related to their income. No. So you could have a, be a very high income earner and still be spending, you know, you adjust your lifestyle based on what your income is and you can still have these bad habits and be spending a lot. Well, you more, can see whereas, them, yeah. you know, you probably see a lot of people who are on, you know, even an age pension who can, who manage their money better and might have more surplus than someone on half a million dollars a year. Absolutely. A- and I think, you know, on the negative side, where you see that particularly is a problem is is a generation that you know maybe the executive that's been earning a good income uh hasn't really saved that much sort of coming into retirement and then they've got that massive sort of drop off mm. between you know the after tax income they were earning um before they stop working and then they just don't have the assets to support it after that that's the those are the type of clients that keep me awake at night because i think you know they're they're running off a cliff. It's an interesting point, though. Like keep being being kept awake by by clients. Um, mm. I mean, not many people would hear many advisors say that. So I guess that's the thing. I think that you take on that burden of responsibility in mm. in what we do. And um, I think at times I'm more worried, and probably you're more worried than people are about their own money. Mm. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it's actually, it's interesting. I um I saw an infographic the other day by a guy called Michael Kitsis, you know. So you modern. Of, hey? <laughs> so modern. Infographic. Yeah, infographic. <laughs> and anyway, he writes for for financial yeah. planners and, you know, he's a bit of a guru. And he, there was the infographic was all about, you know, how, why, what, you know, passing the buck. Yep. About how, how showing how, you know, an individual comes to make a decision, you know, he goes to his wife, sort of tries to pass the buck to her. She doesn't want to take it. Yep. Yeah, they go to their accountant, you know, he doesn't want to take it. They yeah, keep passing yeah, yeah. the buck and they keep – and and a big, motiv- a big motivator for people doing that is to kind of, you know, hand off that responsibility to mm. an extent. So I think that's probably the case, you know, with, with a lot of professionals really, isn't it, that – that people want to, you know, when they take action, they want to take some of the worry away. And to be honest, that's, you know, that's probably what we hope to do. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's funny. It's, and it's a bit of human nature. Um, you're responsible for the, the things that go wrong. But yeah. if anything goes right, people are completely responsible themselves, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. all them. <laughs> but I guess in, in, in that sort of thing, it doesn't matter who is responsible for it. The outcome is people that, that do get help. Are typically in a better position, um, yep. either from self-awareness or whatever they take away. It can be can be a different thing, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh well, um, what about anything else, Craig? Have you got anything else on that front, or should we uh, should we go to my extensive music collection what? and and the great music taste that I've got, or or um, anything else you've got to add no, there, Craig? Not, not for that one, mate. All right. Well, what we might just do is we might give you a little bit of a promotion. And then we'll cut to the music. And welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that song. I don't think that would have been too embarrassing for my kids. Um, now, since we've been offline, we've had our very first caller, Craig. Would you believe? I do. We've seemed to have been inundated. Absolutely inundated. The, the SMS machine's going crazy. But we have Nir on the line. Nir, hello. How are you going? 
Hi, good, good. Nice talking to you and good luck with the show. Thank you very much. And congratulations for being our first caller. Yeah, do I get any prize for it or...? Uh. Um, on the budget, uh, <laughs> how about a free uh, a free coffee or something like that, Nir? I'll buy you a coffee next time I see you. Okay, great idea. So tell me, Nir, what can we uh, what can we do for you today? What's what's the question that you've got? Okay, so I have a question that's bothering me for some time now. Um, so I'm here in Australia, as you can hear from my accent, I'm Israeli, and I'm here in Australia for a couple of years. We just came two years ago, and we're going to stay here for two more years. And as an Australian employee, um, I'm getting a super. So um, superannuation in Israel, we call it pension. Um, I guess it's the same. Anyway, my question is very simple. Should I um, take it with me? Can I take it with me when I'm finishing my contract in two years? Or should I leave it here till I get 65 or 67? What should I do with it? Yeah, well, that's... Um it's an interesting question, and just maybe to give you a bit of background, um, the government's always very, very careful about people accessing their superannuation early, right? Because you get a tax benefit for when the money goes in, and it's really meant to be there, you know, for your retirement. So there's very, very limited circumstances where they allow you to take your um, your superannuation out early. But your situation, are you a temporary resident, near? Is that yes, I am. Okay, so temporary residents have got a special uh, condition of release that they can access their super when they leave. Right now, it's um, you know, there's a few different hoops to go through. If you've got less than five thousand dollars in super, it's pretty easy. If you've got more, there's some extra forms. So it is possible to take it out, but that's the good news. You ready for the bad news? Okay, what are the bad news? <laughs> the bad news is it's going to cost you 38% tax. You're joking, 38%? Th- 38%. So you're going to have to... So if, let's say, you put in uh, $10,000, say you'd put in 10000 to super while you were, um, you know, while you were here working, you know, they, they took out 15% tax initially, so it went down to 8500 Then you want to withdraw that. It's another 38% tax. And I don't can't calculate that in my mind, but Craig is calculating that for me as we speak. Just a bit over five thousand two hundred dollars would be the amount you can take. So that's what you end up with after the fifteen percent tax. After the fifteen and after the thirty-eight. Right. So you lose fifty percent of it. But the good news is near is that 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 fifty percent is you know is for us that are staying behind here. That that's tax that the government get to use. You know to build us roads and to do. All sorts of other things. So you're actually um, you're actually contributing to the to the welfare of you know of the rest of us that stay here. Does that make you feel better? Um, yeah, but I prefer to contribute to my own welfare. <laughs> 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 so, well, look, the other option is near. You can, as you say, you can leave it in there, right? You can leave it in there, and then once you're age sixty, you can take it out for no tax at all. Right. Oh, so it's age 60, not 65 or 67 like in Israel. Uh, well, there's two different things. I, I, I won't get too technical, but from age 60, it's you, if you're age 60 and retired, you can get it. Um, if you're age 65, it doesn't matter if you're working or not, you can get it. So um, from 65, you know, it's open slather. From 60, if you're retired, you can get it as well. So... And at that point, there'd be zero tax. But yeah, you might need to come back to Australia every now and then, near just to check on it. 
you know, to make sure it's doing <laughs> what it's doing. And, you know, you can come and visit friends like us when you come. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so, so, so basically, if I will leave it here till I'll get 60, it's possible, although I'm not an Australian citizen. That's right. Now, Neil, while we've got you on the phone, it'd just be interesting, someone who's come from Israel, can you tell us a little bit about how you find, uh, you know, you found the banking world here in Australia versus Israel in oh, general? Oh, tough question. How long is your show? <laughs> we've got, uh, I'm watching the clock now, 28 minutes, Nils. Do you think you could cover it off in that time? We're going to give you one minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. So, um, actually, I find it very good um, um, in the sense of the service that you get, banking, you know, apps, the online apps, um, things like that are working smoothly and very nice. Um, things are a bit different, and it took me a while to learn how to manage my money in the Australian banking system. Uh, for example, here you have this check, credit, and savings uh, account where you can, you know, move money, transfer money between these accounts, and it's something that I needed to learn because in Israel you have one account, you know, for your, like a check account, and a separate savings, which you cannot just, you know, transfer money on a daily basis like you do here. Yeah. So uh, I, I find it very nice, and, and you know, um, you, can, you can earn money, you know, just by putting it on savings. So I find it very uh, efficient. Excellent. And, yeah, I like the banking system in Australia. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. So, uh, Nia, the big question, what, what's going what's gonna to make you leave? Um, well... I like Australia very much, but um, please don't record my, my you know, what I'm saying, but um, I live in Israel. We are Israelis. The family is in Israel. Our lang- language is Hebrew. So, you know, home is Israel. I understand. Yeah. All right, Nir. Well, look, thanks a lot. It was really good chatting with you. Uh, we'll be on air again uh, next week. So if you've got any other questions... Um, we hope to hear from you again, and I'll just remind it to everybody else. We're ha- happy to have um, you know take your calls on nine five six eight o nine o nine or by SMS o four seven double eight triple two five eight. Thanks, Nir, and goodbye. Now, Craig, we've got another one on the SMS. Have you got access to that on your side there? Uh, I did. It seems to have fallen off the screen. So uh, uh, yeah, okay. yeah. That's all right. Well, anyway, it was basically a bet from uh, someone, it must have been a grandfather, who was talking about um, putting some investments aside for their grandchild, Mm. uh, maybe for them to access in 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. Often people like to do that when kids are born or their bar mitzvah when they turn 13. But he was concerned a bit about the tax associated with with doing that. Mm. And I guess that's something that we get, uh, I'd get a bit and you get a bit as well around how to do it. And there are some really good vehicles and I guess it's somewhere that it's a bit of a throwback to traditional days. Um, as we mentioned before, our collective experience has seen us see some of these products come and go. And there is a bit of talk around these insurance bonds or investment bonds um, that are really effective, you know, yeah. for, for looking at this. And, and basically what it means is that they can be used for that longer-term investment, the sort of 10 years plus, and it means you can almost get these in a tax-free way if yeah. you have them for that long. Yeah, I really like the investment bonds. They're very they're simple, and once you put the money in there, um, you know, you don't have to put anything in your tax return. So just 
so everyone's aware an investment bond is a form of managed fund so you put the money in there you could you've got lots of different investment options be it shares property australian shares international shares um, a manager effectively manages that money proactively for you um, and you can contribute up to 125 percent of your previous contribution each year then after 10 years you can take it out all tax-free so it's a nice simple structure and the other thing is the the transfer of the ownership at the end yes. too so you instead of having to withdraw it um I've, we've found that a lot of parents or grandparents have then passed it on to their kids who then exactly. keep the money and yep. not necessarily withdraw it so um it then helps with that education process of of what money is and and what they can do with it afterwards and give people that opportunity and choice yeah absolutely so that that's a simple from a tax point of view there are I mean, there are lots of other options as yeah. well, aren't there? I mean, people can buy shares directly. You can buy shares uh, in the name of a person who's a lower income earner. So if you've got a couple and yep. one's worth more than the others, you can buy it in that person's name. And you can also put like a designation so that it is actually designed for the kid. The legal owner's still got to be someone over 18, but yep. it, but but you put that designation. It's a form of trust yep. um, that it's held for the... I guess with it all, there there are loopholes to them and, and risks. So mm. um, one of the big ones with those investment bonds, if you break the rules, you lose the tax benefits mm. sort of thing. And with uh, investing in other people's names, depending on how you do it, could breach some of your Centrelink rules if mm. you're receiving benefits that way. So um, yeah. it, uh, the other thing I've found is that they're quite expensive. You know, the um, investment bonds, um, yeah. they are quite not from a advice perspective but just from the actual product themselves yeah. so yeah um you know what you might gain you will just need to have a look around and yeah and that's where just doing your research works well on that stuff and the internet's perfect right for yeah. that you, you google yeah. investment bonds and it'll come up with a whole heap of info for you yeah it is one of those things that's i suppose quite easy to research but then as we were saying before you can end up with a whole myriad of options correct and then a question of um of deciding which one but definitely if you're thinking about doing that i always think it's a good idea to make some regular investments if you can absolutely you know yeah. i mean yeah it's great to put that lump sum in initially but but the regular investment is important and you know going back to what you were saying craig about being an education thing for the you know the kids to see that you know when it comes to fruition that money's being contributed the whole time and mm. how it's compounded yeah um and yeah, I think it's it's also another hobby to share. Uh, I found that some grandkids have and grandparents have found that quite of a, a bit of a bonding experience. You know, mm. like they now have this thing that isn't just a car that you buy that then is you know run into the ground and worth nothing by the end. Um, but yeah, it's something that they can actually share and talk about and research and and share in the success or movements with. Terrific. Alrighty, I think it might be time for another song, Craig, and then we'll get on to the next segment of our show. So, uh, for what capped off a pretty bad 2016, that was that was David Bowie, and uh, and we're back on air. Space Oddity. Alrighty, time for our next uh, segment, and this segment is Craig. What? we wish we knew sooner or what we wish our clients knew sooner about money about money <laughs> about money well yes yes we only have another 15 minutes and the <laughs> title of this show is the finance hour so it's about money craig what do we wish we knew sooner well i i think there's a lot of things that in hindsight you would have done differently um and and certainly for me uh, i was one of those ones a bit like our previous text that was given an amount of money um, as a kid 
and the first thing that I wanted to do was buy a car. So I raced out and I bought a car, and it's probably one of the worst decisions I'd ever made. Um, had I done something differently at that time, bought something that I could actually afford that I'd saved up for at that time, um, I would have been a whole lot different. Is uh, that why you took? I saw you taking a bus here to the studio. Uh, I walked early. actually from the city. <laughs> to, I left yesterday, so that's how excited I was. <laughs> so no, you made up for the. Uh, I made up for it. I've, I've still been recapping the pennies since that day, but no, look. I, I mean, I, I love shares as a kid. Um, I had them, um, and then I got this lump of money that I went out and did that, and so. I guess in hindsight, if you look at those sort of things, the immediacy of, of buying the car or getting the tangibility of it was overwhelming for me at the time. Yeah. And um, I think that's pretty, you know, people get caught up in whether it be buying a house. So to client on the weekend that rang, they'd, they'd almost impulsively spent close to $2 million on a house. Nice. So um, as much as I told them, uh, we've spoken about it, they rang me on a weekend don't encourage that but um, they rang on the weekend to talk about it still couldn't get them to a point where they'd mm. stop buying because they'd, they'd already emotionally invested mm. so I wish that I knew how to know what was an emotional reaction and um, what was a, a smart prudent decision it's interesting isn't it it's often much easier to identify that in other For people than it is in it is in yourself yeah um one which I would say is for myself and for clients is don't sell good quality assets yeah. you know once you've got it Hang on to it. Yeah. I think, you know, people often have regret about, you know, why did I sell this? Why did I sell that? And if you've got a good, if you've got a good property, good shares, you know, even if at some point it's going to, you know, f- stretch you a little bit financially to hang on to it, yep. you know, hang on. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, you'll reap the rewards longer term. Yeah, I, um, I think it's Mark Boris. Um, mm. His best piece of advice is don't sell anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that probably goes a little bit too far, but I, I think the the point that you make is don't sell anything good. Yeah? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what's next, Craig? What's the next one? Um, I guess the, those ones, that the earlier start, the better it is. And, yeah. and this is something you wrote down as well. But um, yeah, those those ones are really, really, really good. The the sooner you start, the easier it is. And a simple compound calculator will show the examples of, yeah. of the difference that a, what a 20-year-old needs to invest um, to get to a certain amount of money. And the same uh, required outcome for a 40-year-old might be five, ten times the amount of money every week. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's a really, really good point that you've you raised and I stole. So <laughs> <It was laughs> That's perfect. all right. That's all right. Um, yeah, and probably the other thing I would say is don't fall for the hype as well. Yep. I think, you know, um, a lot of the industry sells on people's fear. Yeah. You know, fear of not having enough for retirement, fear on just, you know, gonna, you're just going to subsist on the age pension. You know, if you listen to the radio, obviously not on our on our program here, but you listen to the radio, and there'll be all, all these sort of um, spruikers mm. out there for that. And, and when people are in, you know, they kind of feel vulnerable. That's when they're most vulnerable to make poor financial decisions. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really, really important one. Yeah, I, I think um, for me, I, I think it's also knowing uh, knowing your weaknesses, uh, and that's really difficult. I mean, I, I wouldn't have listened to myself now, 10 years ago. I just think that's the hard part is is finding something that you relate to, and there's so much information out there at the moment, 
um, so much that you can that you can find and listen to and follow. I think the secret with that is is following one person and, yeah. and looking at that. And so I, I and that might be the finance hour on Jair. Yeah, very well could be. I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good place to start. But I, I guess with that, it's you, if you're getting good habits early. Um, yeah. I think that a lot of the monetary outcomes are due to habit. So um, I know for me, I need to move money before I get paid. And and yeah. you know that's from the business coming to me. I need to split it into things that I need to be doing um yeah before it comes into my bank account yeah because once it's in the bank account i'm sure most people can relate to the fact it's a bit of a black hole it, it tends to just disappear and you take a hundred dollars out from the atm and it's it goes if you took 150 200 whatever it is it's gone yeah and that's probably a really good segue into our next section craig where you know we talk about you know the amount of information that's out there we've touched on that a bit and there is obviously information overload um, you know, so where's good places people should go to for their financial um, education? Um, and you know, it's actually something we'd be interested in hearing from our listeners as well. So if anybody wants to SMS through on o four seven double eight triple two five eight or even call, um, we'd be interested to know where you get your financial information from. But Craig, where do you where do you think's a good place to start? Yeah, I, I'm a bit bit different to you i guess I, I like the the online bloggers so i do like that and i guess there's pros and cons to that there's there's so many of them so mm. it's really difficult to know who's actually legitimate and like anything online can make unsuccessful people look very successful by mm. popularity and yeah um i've found three really good ones that i i refer to a lot and um the, the we'll start locally uh scott pape the barefoot investor he's yeah. a, he's amazing he's a he's a wealth of knowledge he writes a column in the paper every week yeah he's direct with what he does um and and he has a huge amount of information on his website that if you just followed everything that he said the outcomes would be amazing, mm. yeah. Um, overseas, oh, I like a blog called Mr. Money Moustache. Um, oh, good name. I've heard that guy. Yeah. Is that the guy that like subsists like on his own yeah. little farm? And so he-, he retired in early 30s yeah. and he didn't do it by living off squillions of dollars. He yeah. sort of just manipulated his lifestyle to um, work out what he needed. And the best thing that he says is that if you work out how much money you need, multiply that number by 25. Yeah. That's what you need to retire on. So yeah. that's you know a simple calculator. Um, you need fifty thousand dollars a year. Twenty five times that uh, need one point two five million dollars to live off that for the rest of your life. Yeah, and I think um, I think the key for him is that he keeps that amount really low, doesn't he? Yeah, because he lives a very very simple life. Yeah, I, I don't um, I don't think it's ridiculously low. No. He just talks about things like buying a dog and buying five cars and having 15 TVs in a house and all those sort of things that limit his choices um, and limit the decisions that he needs to make. And I guess the final one is a horrible... A horrible website, but really good content. Um, a guy called Ramit Sethi. Um, he's got a website called "I Will Teach You to Be Rich." <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, he started blogging it in his university dorm, and I think if you he could go back in time, he would change the title. But well, I think there's something to be said for those sort of titles. Yeah. On the on the way to work, uh, on the way to school, today, I was driving my son, and we heard a uh, an ad on the radio for hangmytv.com.au. <laughs> you know what I just do. thought that's just a perfect name. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know exactly business. what they do, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Uh, so I'll teach you to be rich. So yeah. I, I think, again, um, 
our inboxes are flooded with emails. We mm. get a million calls to do different things. Our families pull us in different ways. I think pick one that you like the sound of, and and each of those they resonate with me, and, yeah. and I like that. But I point a lot of clients to these as well because yeah. the information that. I give, and I'm sure you give, isn't brand new, right? It's no. just we kind of mash it all together and put our own spin on it. And um, a lot of the stuff that I talk about is, is stuff that I've learned from these guys as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and a couple other things that I had written down, um, you know, yes, was newspapers. I think, you know, this, you know, as you say, the Barefoot Investor, yeah. the Age, I think every weekend has yep. got its money section and on Wednesday as well. Yeah. Financial Review's got a a pretty detailed money section on the weekend. Sometimes I find that that's probably a bit too technical. I, it's even technical for me, mm. being someone in the um, in the profession. Um, but, yeah, there's plenty of errors out there. I mean, the other one, which is a government site, is moneysmart.gov.au, which is a really good resource as well, Yeah, um, you know, to start with. They've got a lot of really good calculators too and um, comparing your funds and... Uh, finding lost super and all that sort of stuff too. So no, that is that is a good one. And they, you know, what a general budget would be like for a household that's similar to yours. What it should look like um, is good too. Yeah, there's a isn't there a um, I'm trying to think of the websites. There's one website that actually does that comparison because that's a question that you get a lot, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's, I think it's called peoplelikeyou.com.au, yeah, right. something like that. Yeah, I think that was done by Bankwest or. Correct. And I think you're right with the name. And basically, it'll show you what a household that lives near you, that looks like yours, uh, spends in each different area and, and what shops they go to, where the big share of wallets going. And um, yeah, it's, it, it's I guess, one of those things is keeping up with the Joneses is a massive thing people try and do. Um, but this gives you a bit of an insight as to where people's money's going. Okay. All right. Before we head on to the next section, I'll just give you a brief a brief ad from our radio station here. Enjoy listening to J-Air? Support us and become a member by visiting our website, j-air.com.au. All right, Craig, it is time for our quick wins section, right? So let's see how we can give some of our listeners some quick wins and quick wins without having to sacrifice their cup of coffee. I heard you trying to sacrifice someone's dinner out before. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was, I don't want you to make them sacrifice that again. I want a quick win, Craig. So I guess there's only two ways to, to improve your cash flow, right? It's to either earn more or spend less. And some of the big ones that we've had big success with are um, picking up the phone and just calling the providers that you have and the biggest spend typically for everyone that I see is is their mortgage um, get on the phone call your bank um, they're not going to proactively call you until they've dropped their mm. interest rates um, just call them do your research around what the competitors are offering and I think that's the biggest point is with all these things is if, you, if you've done your research and you're prepared to walk so what I mean by that is that if you've done your research and if they aren't prepared to offer you what someone else is you have to be prepared to leave <laughs> and I, i've got to say for that i am a big um a big fan of mortgage brokers yeah that sort of thing as yep. well I, I really feel you know they'll often do be able to do that legwork for you oh, and, for and, sure. a, and a good mortgage broker won't always tell you to sort of switch to another bank no they may actually go back and help you renegotiate with your current bank so i, I, I as i said i've always found 
with clients that you know dealing with a mortgage broker is easier than dealing with a bank. A hundred percent. I think uh, because the incentives are right. You know, like the mortgage broker makes money out of it, you save yeah. money out of it, and don't actually pay for the service. So yeah. I, I like that transaction from their perspective. And you're right, a good one will do that legwork yeah. for you. So I, I think that's the the quickest and biggest win. I'd, yeah. I'd encourage people to get off the get off the listening to us, which I'm sure that intently, um, and jump on the phone to their bank and, yeah. and or in online first, do the research and then call. Bank. It's interesting on that uh, theme as well. I've found um, I certainly in the last couple of years was reviewing all my sort of personal insurance, my home contents, car, yep. etc. And I'd sort of got different insurance as like you know when I bought the car, I think I got the insurance through whoever sold me the car, and um, I just collated it all together and I sort of went to you know a general insurance broker. Um, and he sort of reviewed it all, and you know, once I and consolidated and came out with a really good outcome. Once again, I think you know, going to, you know, as you say, you can go online and do all the comparisons, or if you can find someone really sort of trustworthy to help do it for you, um, you know, you um, it's a really good way of doing it as well. Yeah, spot on. Talking about insurance, I'm going to give a plug to my good friend uh, Andrew Davis, who runs a business called ChooseWell.com.au. That's the uh, I select on steroids. Uh, helps people choose their health insurance because that's a really growing mm. expense, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, and and really necessary. I guess health insurance sneaks in under that radar because if we don't have it, we pay more tax. So they almost by default get people's money, but there's certainly no reason to be paying more than you need to because it's sort of a you have it or you don't. You get the benefit or you don't, and yep. it doesn't matter if you've got a quality product um, or. Uh, inferior product if you pay more money for it it's worth having a look at yeah and it's one of those things that's really easy to change as well absolutely isn't it? it's probably yeah. the easiest and they, they, they literally can do it on the phone and yeah. you know w- when you, know, you look at your life and disability insurance i mean we well that'll be the subject of another show but you know apply changing that is is a real process yeah i mean the mortgage one with the bank can be a nightmare your yes, direct debits true. credit cards yeah. but i certainly um that's why the preference is to sort of stay if you can but get something yep. better because it's that's the quickest win um, yep. but we've had some really good good results with um, with phone bills as well providers I mean Telstra is the biggest provider out there and um, yeah we've we've had some massive success with people saving over just about just under a hundred dollars a month on average from using just some simple steps of comparing the other providers calling them up and just asking the question of you know what can you do I've been a loyal customer. Yeah. Um, what can you do? So. And, and the other one for that is Foxtel yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. You, know, you call Foxtel up and tell them you know, you're leaving and often you'll get a better um, outcome, although sometimes you don't. No, Sometimes right. you don't. Sometimes they're kind of happy to let you go. But um, anyway, Craig, we're sort of running out of time now, but I have to say it's been a really good fun doing this with you and uh, look forward to doing it again next week. And thanks to everyone or those people that called in. Uh, and those people who are listening on podcast, this is uh, Ruben Zelwa and Craig Bigelow for the Finance Hour. We will be signing off now, and you'll stand by for the news. Story.